With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. If Buffalo can run the ball 49 times against your team, Mm -hmm. what's San Francisco going to do? And what's Philly going to do if they ever decide to just run the ball? If they split these two games that they had, Dallas and Kansas City, they got to split in those two. They're going to make the playoffs. They won both of them. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, week 15, we didn't have as many dramatic results, a couple dramatic ones early on that we'll get to a little bit later, but we had some eye-opening results and some big-time results, and look no further than what we saw in Western New York with the Buffalo Bills putting the beat down on my Dallas Cowboys, 31-10, to and they did it in a way that we had had never seen it done for wow. this Josh Allen era Buffalo Bills. Usually it's Josh save us. This time, though, it was the ground and pound attack. Bills running for 266 yards. I mean, if you would have told me before the game that Josh Allen's throwing for 94 yards, uh, I would say, well, look, the Cowboys are going to kill him, right? But, you know, they decided to, and give credit to the Bills, they decided that they could push the Cowboys defense around, and they did it well. And they did. I mean, I think we we not, we were worried, and I've said this before. I thought Dallas would play way better in the game, but I, I, the liability on Dallas's team is their defense. They play battleship football. They take chances. They risk. They, they get create negative plays, and when they do create a negative play, they get you down behind, and they can sack the quarterback. When they got to go toe to toe, when they're when you're winning first down against them, they're not the same defensive team. And I think that showed up. I, I was surprised that. Dallas couldn't move the ball at all in the passing game. Dallas's offensive line now, we got to remember this, on the road, I know they were on turf and I liked them on turf, but 
they're, they did not protect like they did against Philly at home, mm-hmm. against Buffalo on the road. I mean, it was it was another bad offensive line performance by them in terms of their ability to, you know, to create and keep the quarterback healthy. You know, there were a lot of times the quarterback was under pressure. He got hit seven times. And, you know, for me, that that's the two things that I was disappointed with was Dallas defensive line and their offensive line. And both of them got their asses kicked. I thought it was a really great job by Buffalo because when I was watching them, it goes back to the game when they played against the Broncos. And in that game, they had success running the football, but they didn't stick with it. In this one, like they did not go away from the run game. They pounded the ball, kept doing it. Like Josh Allen, after the game said, he said, I felt like the kid in the, in the class in the group project that did nothing, but still got an A for, for my grade here because like they didn't rely on Allen. It was all right. Dallas can't stop the run. Let's not get cute. Let's just coach the game in front of us and let's continue to stick with it. I mean, how many rushing attempts did they have? It was, like 40 something 49 49 for over 200 (laughs) yards i mean you know when it works stick with it right and cook was sensational i mean cook was good and dallas couldn't tackle dallas looked like they hadn't tackled all year Mm -hmm. and it's a and it's frustrating as a defense coordinator if you're dan quinn you're sitting there saying i can't get control of the game and mccarthy you know the one of the success that this team has had has been able to play from in front and they couldn't do that in the game and buffalo beat them at their own game and credit buffalo look if buffalo can run the ball on anybody it, it, it takes the burden of responsibility off Josh Allen and you've got to say right now the way Buffalo kicked their ass you know I thought really Dallas was being undervalued a little bit because I thought Dallas would move the football on them. I mean look mm-hmm. the Eagles we don't think the Eagles offense is great and the Eagles put what 37 on them I mean yeah. again Von Miller's not even in the stat sheet he's not even in the stat sheet again this week so but this they put pressure on him and this Cowboy I know they lost Zach Martin during the game but Prescott was under a lot of pressure. He was mm-hmm. hurried quite a bit. And one thing that you've always pointed out here with Mike McCarthy taking over the play calling for the Cowboys is he wants his defense to play less football. Well, in this game, they had to play 35 minutes of defense. Yep. Buffalo able to control the football. Dallas only had 24-55. I mean, I think it was at some point uh, early in the third quarter, and it's like, man, this Cowboys offense hasn't been out there that much. Prescott had about 10 pass attempts or something like that just because they just simply did not have the ball. And that's the thing that if Dallas has the Achilles heel, like you said, it's going to be defensively. And if that offense doesn't get rolling and kind of keep them in it, it's going to be a world of hurt for this run defense. Like Jonathan Hankins, they, that's they, a big thing. They got to get him back. But still, like it can't just be one guy and all of a sudden this collapses like that. They've been ran on with Hankins as well. Well, I mean, they, yeah, I mean, the defense is giving up yards. And we saw Seattle move the ball on them, but they could get control of the game with their offense. I mean, they only had eight possessions in the game, Femi. And by the time they got to the second half, the game was over. They went punt, punt, field goal, punt. You know, and they only got five, they only got six first downs in the first half. So you know, and what did they have? Uh, what that seventy? Basically, they might have had a hundred yards in the first half. Mm-hmm. And now they're behind twenty-one to three. And now you you got to throw it. Now you got to throw it. They come out the second half drive. They go six plays, one first down. They got a punt. Game over. They did a great job. I mean, you got to credit McDermott. You got to credit the team the way they rallied behind it, and they took the game over. I mean, they won it. You, the concern you got to have if you're a Dallas fan, as you are, is if Buffalo can run the ball 49 times against your team, mm-hmm. what's San Francisco going to do? And what's Philly going to do if they ever decide to just run the ball? Yeah. 
I mean, that's been my whole worry this season. It's like, all right, the eventual game of having to go to San Francisco, how's that going to look? And if this is any sort of indication, it's not going to look good as we saw earlier this season. And the big thing with Dallas, and they talked about it a little bit on the broadcast, we discussed it as well, is this these home road splits for the Cowboys. 7-0 at home, dominant as ever, 40 points per game, all these stats. It looks amazing. On the road, though, 3-4. and four. And McCarthy was asked about it after the game. He said, quote, it's a gap. That's part of my message. We play so well at home, and there's just too big of a gap in our road games. We're conscious of it. We have a long flight home to continue to talk about it and think about it. Michael Parsons also said it's unacceptable what we're doing on the road in some of these games. And they have another road game on deck this upcoming Sunday here. But I, can they just – is it just simply the surface? Like, or is something going on in the travel? Like, they can't seem they to shake things on, on the road. road. I mean, they get blocked on the road. I mean, that's it's, it's really – it's not, not that complicated. They get blocked on the road. I mean – I mean, now, you know, when you only have to throw the ball 16 times in a game, 15 times in a game, mm-hmm. you know, you're not worried about it. But they get blocked on the road and they convert third downs. I mean, what were they at? Like 60% if they were, they only had nine, they only forced nine third downs in the game. Yeah. They get blocked. They're, they're fundamentally get beat up on the road. Teams can run the ball on the road. I mean, Philly scored 20, what was that, 29 points in three quarters and stopped scoring in the fourth quarter. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they beat Carolina great, right? That was a big road win. I, but, you know, I thought Carolina in that game, I thought Carolina would run the ball on them. They couldn't. But this all goes back to beating blocks. I mean, they, they just their front isn't as good as we think their front is. Parsons mm-hmm. is great, but he needs more help. Yeah. Last thing for me on this game here, this is uh, from Ed Warder, who covers uh, the NFL for ESPN. said, James Cook was first contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage on only one of his 25 rushes against the Cowboys yesterday. He averaged 4.2 yards per rush before contact. He's the third player in the last two seasons to average at least four yards before contact on 25-plus rushes, and it shows up in the stat sheet 179 yards here for James Cook in this game, and he just made it look easy what he was doing against that Dallas Cowboys defense. The Bills though I want to have more conversation about the Bills coming up on Thursday because like th- this this thing could really take off here for Buffalo if they're going to keep well, and we'll talk about them in the awards as well well but they got a you know they're going to have to Chargers 14 point favorite I mean <laughs> yeah. you know I mean, there, there's, a, there's another win right there I mean look I said this about a, a, two three weeks ago if they split between Buffalo if they split these two games that they had right they had Buffalo Kansas City if they could get a split i mean excuse me Dallas and Kansas City if they got a split in those two they're mm-hmm. going to they're going to make the playoffs they won both of them they're going to make the playoffs and we need them in the playoffs like the last thing yeah. i want to watch is one of these shitty AFC teams and keep Buffalo at home so you're saying you don't want to watch Minshew on the road at Arrowhead? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. I, I mean, I, I look, I think that they did a great job. And I think, you know, that, that I think Shane Steichen's done a tremendous job. But no, I, I don't want to yeah. see that. I think I'd rather. Ju- I, want, I mean, they they deserve. I don't want to see. I mean, since he's done a great job. But right now, Buffalo's the ninth seat. Yeah. Houston's ahead of them. Yeah, we, we, we need the Bills. We, we need the Bills in the playoffs for sure. Josh Allen, he'll spice some things up. Uh, Sunday Night Football, though, uh, another team in the AFC showing how good they are and showing that prowess. The Baltimore Ravens, they beat the Jaguars 23-7, to improved to 11-3. and They're in control of the number one seed. Lamar Jackson, 171 yards passing and a touchdown, 97 yards on the ground. He was doing his Houdini routine as always uh, in this game here. And for Jacksonville, I thought they were a little bit more competitive in this game in the first half, but they just couldn't quite make those plays especially in scoring opportunities, missing two field goals, botching the red zone opportunities. It was just a bad night oh for the God. Jacksonville Jaguars. Why didn't they spike it at the end of the second quarter? Like, why wouldn't he spike it there? He had to, he had to first and goal with the five. 
Why wouldn't he just spike it? Get yourself some time. You had 11 seconds, you spike it, right? Now all of a sudden we'll take a shot at the end zone. If not, we'll kick a field goal. Like, what's going on here? And then the two field goal tries. I mean, look, I think McManus has been a kind of a thorn in their side. You know, last year it was it was the, the kid who's now in Detroit who you worry about, Riley Patterson. Patterson yep. But to me, you, you know, like, again, you're, you're in wind. I said this before the game. The two things you want when you're dealing with wind is you want a reliable kicker. Jacksonville doesn't have that. And you want somebody that can make plays with their feet, which obviously Jackson did. But when you watch that tape again this morning, which I did, you know, the, first of all, the, the injury to Williams, I mean – I think that's going to be – I think that's going to – Mitchell, excuse me, to Mitchell. That's significant. Yeah, Keaton Mitchell. Because that kid gave them something that Melvin Gordon ain't going to give them. And Melvin Gordon's prone for turnovers. That Mitchell kid was sensational. But besides that, here's the question I think that you got to ask yourself. Baltimore is a really good team, but can they do what they did? Can they get lucky three games in a row to get to a Super Bowl? Because the mm. throw to likely was a lucky throw. Right, that should be intercepted. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can't. Can you run that style of off? Can you kind of get fortunate three times in a row? Now, likely has been great for him. He's kind of replaced Andrews, and he's been tremendous. So maybe they're going to develop some confidence with him. But look, Jacksonville's going in for a score, and Lawrence moves the ball from one hand to the other and fumbles, picks it up. I mean, there was just so many miscues by them. You know that they're not a detailed team, Jacksonville. I'm going to break that to you. Isn't that shocking? <laughs> they're not a well-detailed team. They're, they're not tough. They are not tough. And so when they go against a tough team like Baltimore, they struggle. I mean, you can't – every problem to every to, – every answer to every problem is we'll throw a Y stick or we'll throw spacing. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to toughen – got you got to be able to have some toughness. And, and to me, I don't see it. I don't, I've not seen it with Jacksonville all year. How many more times are they going to lose at home? It's... I mean, how many more times are they going to lose at home? And then today, Lawrence is is out. You know, now he's in concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. The, the Jaguars are like the reverse Cowboys here. They can't win at home, but then they win all their games on the road. Three and five now at home, which is just remarkable to say. But they're still eight and six of the season. You want to talk about toughness? They allowed 251 rushing yards on 42 attempts. That's six a pop for the Baltimore Ravens. Conversely, Jacksonville only 75 rushing yards. If they can't run the ball, you're asking Trevor Lawrence to do a lot, and then that's also taking on a lot of risk here. And that's what we see some of these. Well, Plus your receivers got hurt. They lose Zay Jones. They don't have Kirk. It's hard to to throw at 11 when you don't have great receivers. And all of a sudden, we now have a three-way tie atop the AFC South. And if Lawrence misses this game on Sunday, things start to get really dicey for a Jacksonville Jaguars team that thought that they were in the driver's seat to host the game in the playoffs. We'll continue this discussion and get to the Niners as well on the other side. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, Michael, it was a hat and t-shirt game for the San Francisco 49ers down in the desert yesterday. The Niners clinch the NFC West by beating the Arizona Cardinals 45 to 29. San Francisco, once again, offensively as efficient as ever, 406 yards, seven and a half yards per play. Purdy, 242, four passing touchdowns. McCaffrey, he was amazing. Three total touchdowns, 115 yards on the ground, 72 in terms of the receiving yardage here is the Niners. Once again, they, this is just like, like it's we've said it over and over this is the best team in the league but like i i don't even think it's close right now michael the way that this team is playing well i mean you look the the quarterback's really good nobody wants to give the kid credit <laughs> he makes all the throws you know and and you can't be dissuaded by the yardage i mean the, the cardinals average six one a play i think the bigger question is is i know that the cardinals said that uh their offensive coordinator came on and said that Murray is going to be that he is their franchise. Mm -hmm. If he is your franchise, if that's what you believe, then you got real issues. I mean, watch the game. Mm -hmm. Watch what a good defense does to him. It's a little bit like Chicago, right? You watch that Chicago-Cleveland game, and we'll get to that more in detail. Mm -hmm. But Schwartz basically told the Chicago Bears with his game plan, here's what I think of Fields. You guys figure out what you want to do with them. That's what he said in the tape. Now, if you're smart enough to figure that out, which most of the media in Chicago aren't, they'll, they'll just ignore it, right? They're so happy sweat gets sacks, they can't prob- they, they can't realize that 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 nothing else around them it works, right? So are they still tweeting the at reality- you? Huh? Are they, are they still tweeting at you, those Chicago people? Oh, yeah. I mean, con- <laughs> I mean, all the time. The guy gets a sack. They lost the game, right? They, they're playing. I mean, it's hilarious. They're playing against backup offensive linemen. I mean, the, the reason I love the Bears in the game, and I hate to get off the subject here, but we mm-hmm. will. The reason I like the Bears in the game was because I thought Chicago's defense, which has played really well, would put pressure on them because they had no alignment. I mean, with Posick out, they lost their, their two starting tackles. And then during the game, Batino Bet- Bet- got yeah, out. Yeah, Batonio, yep. Batonio, he got hurt. So they're, they're in there with a bunch of backups. And, 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 and so they couldn't run the ball. And so the ball got put in a, you know, but again, this is the classic Bears game. Can't win the fourth quarter. Can't make a play when you need to make a play. Turn the ball over on downs. I mean, if he just stays and gets, stays on his feet and gets the first down, how many times did Lamar stay on his feet last night that Justin didn't stay on his feet in that play? Yeah, that was a backbreaker there, turning that one over. But I, going back to San Francisco, I mean, look. Uh, you know, Arizona's depleted. I, I don't see it with Murray. What, what, what did Murray do? He, what did he throw it? Like, you say, well, they gained 400 and some yards. Murray threw it 40, oh, 39, 39 times for 211 yards. His longest pass was 38. Where, where are we going with that? I mean, they ran the ball on San Francisco. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, San, they ran the football on San Francisco. Can Gee. Baltimore run the ball on San Francisco? That's going to be the key to the game. 
Yeah, because that's the game that's coming up Monday night, Christmas night. How about that Christmas gift that the oh NFL my, is giving present. us? The two number one seeds, maybe a Super Bowl preview. We'll see what happens in the month of January here. But both teams coming in at 11-3. and three. And for the Niners, if you could poke holes in them at any point here, it would probably be that run defense there where they allow so many yards. And I'm looking at the openers right now. This thing opened, it looks like four and a half or so was a look ahead. Now we're sitting at five and a half. The 49ers are favored at home. Monster home field advantage. The Niners are rated like a monster as they should be but that's a big number for this uh, Baltimore team to be catching right now with 11 wins and the run the, the run uh, offense that the Ravens have maybe they can keep this thing close well look Armstead Armstead didn't play and Hargrave didn't play they were both mm-hmm. inactive that makes a huge difference Ronnie Stanley got a concussion again last night he's hurt will he come back I don't know you know the Mitchell injury to me is significant for Baltimore I think it's really I mean he gives them an, an explore like he's like Chet He's like Chase Brown for the for the Bengals. They found him, yeah. and man, does he make a difference. So, you know, and how good is Baltimore on defense, right? I mean, you could sit there and watch that tape this morning and say, well, you know, we, we turned the ball over at the end of the half on our own stupidity. We basically are switching hands with the football as we're running at a quarterback, and we give it away. We missed two field goals. Like, it was a lot of mistakes. Look, I, I, I was on Baltimore. I'm you know, I thought Baltimore would play better defensively, and they did. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be plays you can make against the front, especially if you block them. Yeah, no, I they're going to have a tough time matching up. I mean, you know, can Hamilton cover Kittle? You know, when you watch Hamilton, he's a really good player, but he's he in is. the box. He's a linebacker. You can call him whatever you want. He's a linebacker. When he goes to the high post safety, I mean, that, the, you know, that's just the disguise to look. He's a good player when he's down. I, I think what you got to give credit for Baltimore on the, on the Hamilton pick is that they they basically have utilized his skill set within the the defense and it fits perfectly within the defense. It really does. They had a plan for him, which is what you want when you yeah. draft a guy. You you want to have a plan for how you're going to use him. The Ravens clearly had a plan to where he's like might be what might be one of their better defenders. I think he's like one of their two or three best defenders on that defense there. But we'll see them. They'll get an ultimate test. We'll preview that game obviously much more in depth on Thursday. But just want to give a little bit of an appetizer for that one because that's a monster matchup that we'll have Monday night, Christmas night there. Once we've done wrapping up all the gifts and all that stuff. Um, but the Niners though, with that win. Their quarterback, Brock Purdy, at our show sponsor, DraftKings, now the odds-on MVP favorite, minus 190. Finally. Finally the MVP favorite, but then they asked him about it yesterday, and he says Christian McCaffrey should be the MVP. So this whole MVP conversation with three weeks left to go, everyone seems to think it's wide open. I mean, we get Purdy and Lamar facing each other Christmas night. I'm sure that game will go far in determining who wins this award. Dak Prescott still plus 450, but he needs a big final three weeks if he's going to go ahead and win this award. But maybe, just maybe, the guy at 16-1, to Michael Josh Allen, maybe he has a path if the Bills can win the division. I think there's no question you got to play Allen here. I think there's no question you got to play Allen. Look, look, I, I think he's really good. I mean, he, and this team's going to win. They're going to continue to keep going down the road. I mean, it, it's it's you know it's it's a good play. It's a good play. It's yeah. a smart play because they're they're not they're going to have a hard time. They're gonna, nobody. They're going to have a hard time beating this team, right? You're going to have a hard time beating this team. So, per, and Purdy never gets any credit, even though he averages 9.9 yards per attempt on passing. Even though he's thrown 29 touchdown passes, he only has seven interceptions. I mean, yesterday in the second half, when Arizona brought that blitz, they slid the protection. He had the unblocked guy coming right at him, and he throws the ball right to, to Kittle, Kittle, and Kittle yep. ends up. I mean, the next play, they drop McCaffrey in coverage, touchdown, game over. I mean, like, it takes experience. It, like, those aren't unique plays, but those are plays that indicate a player is really good. 
because you could watch Zach Wilson never make those plays. You can watch Bailey Zappi never make those plays. You can watch Justin Fields never make those plays. Like, they don't make them. So, again, it goes back to stop talking about where the kid got drafted. Just watch how many great plays he makes during a game. Yeah, it was a third and 11 play there. Then the Cardinals brought that blitz. It was a phenomenal play there. Hits Kittle right in stride, and he's able to pick up some yak as well. And I, I was I tweeted about this last night, too, watching the Ravens-Jaguars game, that when you listen to the way people talk about this MVP award, it feels like a lot of the people in the media who ultimately, these are the people who decide who wins it, they feel like that this award should go to anyone but Brock Purdy. Like, yeah, that's, exactly. That's, right. how, that's how it feels like when they're discussing it, which is why like, I would never recommend anyone betting minus, even though from a logic standpoint and what he's done from winning production position that he plays, Purdy should be running away with this award. But the people who determine who wins it don't want to vote for him to that. It's like I can't recommend someone betting minus 190. Yeah, I'm just saying to you, I, I don't disagree with you. I think there's no question that they would just they would rather have anything but Brock Purdy. They don't want to admit, like it's, they don't want to admit they're wrong on Brock Purdy. Like they don't want to admit that they couldn't even see it. Like it's, they weren't even aware of it on Brock Purdy. But you know, the narrative, every narrative is so unique, right? I mean, Mm. you know, it's like people want, people want Mike Tomlin fired. He's no good. People don't say shit about Robert Sala. He's okay because he lost Aaron Jones. You know, that's quarterback fine. Got Why hurt. would yeah. you, <laughs> quarterback got hurt? Meanwhile, you know, Kevin O'Connell's fighting through with no quarterback. You know, Kevin Stefanski's lost all his quarterbacks. Yeah, <laughs> right? Cincinnati loses their quarterback. But you know, Robert gets a pass, even though he's thirty-three percent winning percentage. But let's just give him a pass, even though it was probably one of the most embarrassing games of the year, especially considering that in thought. You think, okay, they're going to be able to go in there with their defense. Tyreek Hill's not going to play. They're going to slow it down. You know, if they don't turn this thing over, it's going to be a close game. Not so fast. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a bad performance from that Jets defense. They lose 30 to nothing against the Miami Dolphins. And, and I'll, I'll give Tua some props here. Like, we, we had big questions. With, like, if Tyreek is off the field, what's going to happen? He, he was able to make some connections with Jalen Waddle. Waddle had eight for 142 and a touchdown. Tua, 21 of 24, 224, and a touchdown there. Raheem Mostert with two more. T- I mean, Mostert has 20 touchdowns on the season. That's pretty remarkable there. And this, this Dolphins defense put the absolute clamps on the Jets offense. The Jets, Michael, do you realize one point? nine yards per play i was looking at the broadcast i had the game on on one of the side tvs and at one point the dolphins had three touchdowns and the jets had three total yards like like that i, I mean that's what happened in the i game. don't know why the if i'm woody johnson should just give the charter of his franchise to aaron Rodgers. it's what he should just do because everything is under the umbrella while aaron's not here everything like the incompetence in the coaching the poor game planning the decision make i mean you can't get any worse offensively you just can't you can't not get any worse offensively. You know, and, and Adam Gase, again, we're talking about narrative. Adam Gase was not good, and they couldn't wait to run him out of town. Sala, it's like, oh, it's okay. You know, Bill Belichick's on the hot seat. He's got six Super Bowls. He doesn't deserve to come back. He's a horrible coach. Robert Sala, yeah, we just lost Aaron Rodgers. He'll be back. It's good. He's really good. He's a defensive specialist, mm. you know. He's a defensive specialist, so he'll play really good against them. You know, and Miami scores, what, 30 on them? In the first, uh, they scored 34 and 30 on them. They've been outscored by Miami 64 to 13. 64 to 13. Buffalo beat them 32 to 6. Like, at some point, when do we sit there and say, maybe they're not as good defensively as we think they are? I keep saying it. Nobody wants to, oh, they're great on defense. They're great on mm-hmm. defense. They're great on defense against shitty teams. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's. I couldn't have said it any better there. Jake Asman, who is a big Jets fan, he covers the Jets for the Jake Asman show. He tweeted this yesterday. Said Aaron Rodgers getting hurt is not an excuse for the Jets to have scored zero or one offensive touchdown in twelve of their fourteen games. Zero or one offensive touchdown in twelve of their fourteen. Like that. Like that. They're gonna run it back. They're gonna like. They just think we put Aaron Rodgers back on this team. Everything's like. Oh, all of a sudden, Becton's going to become a better player. Dwayne Brown's going to be 100 years old. Like, we're just going to get better. And this offense, which is day one installed, the West Coast, with no creativity, no run game whatsoever. I mean, they, the, the opening game they ran for 172. At Denver, they ran for uh, 234. They, they haven't, the last 100-yard game was against the Raiders as 108. They can't run the ball. Yeah. And they've officially been eliminated once again from the playoffs. This is the longest active But he should draft. get a promote. He should be back. A th- you want to bring a 33% winning percentage coach back. You want to do it. You really need to do it. Longest active drought in North American sports currently going on in NFL, NBA, MLB, and the NHL is the Jets' playoff drought now. They haven't been in the postseason since 2010, and it's going to have to wait another year. We'll see. Once we run it back in 2024, all will be well. Maybe. All right. We'll discuss daily next. 
Jerry Jones did the same thing. When he needed a stadium and he needed credibility, he bought credibility with Parcells. It gave him that. Now, it gave him that stadium, but there's still the everlasting doubts about that. So, mm-hmm. to me, what Dean Spanos lacks right now is credibility. He's being accused of being cheap, which may not be true at all, you know, because they do pay. It, it, you know, people and the fans have trouble between distinguishing between what's cheap and what's frugal. You know, like Dean Spanos probably don't want to waste money. You know, just because you have this enormous staff, you waste money. Mike Brown, I don't think Mike Brown's cheap. I don't think Mike, I think Mike Brown just never wants to waste money. That's that's really being a good businessman. Same thing with Kraft. I mean, Kraft, Kraft's staffs are small. He doesn't waste any money. He makes sure he doesn't waste any money. So I think Dean's got to buy credibility. And look, and you know, if you hire Ben Johnson, you'll make the media happy. But here's Ben Johnson. He's he's out there in the open market, Femi, and there's a bidding war going to happen for him. He's going to probably become a first-time head coach and get $15 million a year. Yeah. Think about that. Six-year He's contract. never been a head coach before. right? But they think because he's a bright young coach, we're getting Sean McVay. When the Rams hired Sean McVay, they didn't pay him the going rate. This guy, you're going to have to pay him above the going rate 25% more. So are you sure you're getting what you want? Are you sure you're solving it? I don't see Sandy. I don't see the Chargers issue as strictly just we need a better play caller, where we need more different. We need different plays. Yes, they got to get Herbert to play better, but they got to get their special teams to play better. They get the personnel to be better. They've got to get their offensive line. They got to get toughness. There's a lot of things wrong with the Chargers that just isn't. Oh, we just need a play caller. But see, these owners, they want to. I mean, David Tepper sitting there in his box yesterday. He's looking at the stadium. They're giving away tickets for 40 cents. Yeah. Like, does he really think that Ben Johnson coming in there is going to rejuvenate his his team? Of course. I mean, he might, but it won't happen. And and the the guys who are out there that could help those coaches or those owners buy credibility, I mean, we're talking about Jim Harbaugh, if they wanted to pursue that route. Maybe you could pursue the Bill Belichick route if the reports are true that they're going to part ways with New England at the end of the season. Like, there's guys who are out there that could instantly be like the Parcells to Dallas, could be the Andy Reid to Kansas City that kind of like gave those fan bases hope of, okay, we're going on in the right path. I think Sean Payton proves that paying a great coach is worthwhile. Now, you know, I know he got blown out by Detroit, but he's kept the team together. They've got a good future in Denver. Look, if you're Mark Davis or Dean Spanos, you're sitting here looking at, you're looking at Hall of Fame Andy Reid, Hall of Fame Sean Payton. That's just to get in the playoffs. How do we beat those two guys? You think if we hire, you know, the, you know, Frank Smith from Miami, we're going to do that with, we'll pair him up with, you know, we'll pair him up with Champ Kelly and everything's going to be fine. I think you're going to need some experience to beat those guys. I think they're pretty good at their jobs. And you're hiring first-time people. I'm not saying first-time people don't work out. I don't want to sound like the old, t- old guy who's – I'm not bitter at all. But you better think this through. Like, you better understand what you're getting into. And you better go back to why are you in this position. Like, does David Tepper really understand why he's here? I'll tell you the other team, Atlanta. Where's Atlanta going? Yeah. And, and there was reports that Arthur Smith was safe for 2024. You watched that game on Sunday. Uh, how, how can you say that? But the way that team looks, especially offensively and the kind of the wagon that they hitched themselves to. What do you think the fan? I mean, Atlanta's a fickle fan base now. Oh, yeah. I mean, what do you think that fan base is going to look like when, you know, when they're playing, when they when when Indianapolis comes to town? You think they're going to be just couldn't wait to get their Christmas cheer on and put their Santa hats on and come out? Not a chance. I don't think so. <laughs> Not a chance. I don't think so. I mean, if you're if you're Arthur Blank, the owner, you, you got a situation ahead of you. 
I think you got to think this through. How many opportunities are you going to get to get a Jim Harbaugh? I don't know. Maybe you don't think Jim Harbaugh's a good coach. There's people out there that don't think Jim's a good coach. Oh. All he's ever done is one. Yeah. He won at the University of San Diego, which they said he couldn't do, me included. He won at Stanford, which we know it's hard to win there. He won at San Francisco, and he's won at Michigan. Like, you could say he's not a good coach, but for some reason he wins a lot of games. Yeah, I don't even know how people would say that. Like you said, the guys literally won oh. everywhere. Like, like, maybe you can say the that guy, you don't like was, him. But uh, people in, when I were in Cleveland, people were saying he's not a good coach. He's a disaster. All right. <laughs> this is when he was having the fight with San Francisco to get out. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like, like maybe like you could say that you don't want to work with him or maybe he's not the easiest person to get along with. But like in terms of the results, they speak for themselves, what Jim Harbaugh is able to do there. Like that would instantly buy credibility and maybe some I mean, franchise. If, you, if you're a team like Jacksonville or you're a team that needs toughness, trust me, if you're a team like the Chargers that need toughness, there's your guy, your team, because that, that Michigan team's tough now. Yeah. You're going to adopt his personality as a head coach. I promise you that. I promise you that. And that's what some of these teams need. See, that, that we spend too much time looking at the analytical board. This is what gets you caught with Staley. Staley can sit there and say to everybody in America, well, we made the right decision. The result was bad. Yep. For the people in analytics, that works. If you're in business, that works. But if you're in the football world and you have to go in the locker room and you have to tell people about the right decision, bad result too many times, you're, you lose credibility. You lose credibility, right? You can't, it's not going to work. It's one thing to be aggressive. It's another thing to be aggressively smart. We've never been able to distinguish that, you know? And I think to me, that's the issue here. But these guys look at these spreadsheets, these and they're picking coaches based on, okay, he averages eight this yards per. Who's going to inspire the team? Who's going to develop the young players? Yeah. Who, who can cultivate and, and build a culture? Of, of winning like who can do those types of things and the the, the process of results like like, like we, we we come from the betting world where like process like you want to have a grid process but the results also have to match it because there's at the end of the day a scoreboard and there's wins and losses and losers get fired and winners go on and win championships like that's just kind of how it is and you can only sell that speech so many times like you mentioned right? like that's, I mean, I think that's think really about well this. said if, if you understand what's wrong with your team if you're the Green Bay Packers and I had Big Daddy from the minute the game started because mm. it was on local TV here yesterday I mean, he's all over Joe Barry, right? As but if he should you understood be. your, as he should be, as, <laughs> and I can't defend it anymore. Okay, if, if you understood what was wrong with your team, if if you're Matt Lafleur and you really understood what was wrong with your team, and you've been put in that leadership position, where you're going to have to make hard decisions and you're going to have to face confrontation, and you're going to have to do what's in the best interest of the team over what it hurts your feelings, you fire you fire Barry and you hire Schwartz. You put Jim Schwartz on that defensive team with that personnel and, and let him come in in an offseason and let him collect some of the pieces that he needs to build a team, you're a playoff team. You're going to make the playoffs, right? And yet you don't do that because you, you don't identify what really is the problem. You don't identify what's the problem. It's the same thing in Miami. The reason there's so much anger in Philadelphia towards their defense coordinator, and we'll talk about this in the next block, is mm -hmm. because the Eagles believed that Gannon wasn't going to get a head job. And so they couldn't, they, they couldn't fire Gannon. They wanted Vic Fangio more than anything, more than anything. They had him on their staff. He was helping out. But he wanted to work again. He didn't want to stay in that role. And if Gannon was going to stay, he needed to go. So Carolina offered him and Miami offered him. And then when he signs the contract in Miami, 
and they sign it, he's locked in. Gannon leaves two days, three days, four days later. Mm. That's why the Eagles fire tampering, because the Eagles understand the importance of getting the right piece in the right place. Some of these teams don't. Wow. And that's it's fortuitous, like the timing on that whole thing there to where, yeah, it's just a couple days. And all of a sudden now it's Sean Desai, who like, we'll talk about that in the next segment here. But the, the, the Eagles defensive play calling has all of a sudden become an, a, a thing now uh, after a couple losses to the Niners and the Cowboys. Uh, we have a couple minutes left here, Michael. I want to talk about this AFC playoff picture because we saw it kind of shape into uh, uh, kind of round into form a little bit here after Saturday's results. Colts beating the Steelers. We saw the Cincinnati Bengals get a win over the Minnesota Vikings to where now with Cleveland win they're squarely in that five spot at nine and five but you have four teams at eight and six Bengals, colts texans bills all four of those teams won and it feels like those are the four that are going to be fighting for those final two spots the six and the seven seed you want to know why pittsburgh's not in this race anymore it's because pittsburgh has a receiver in pickens that is really good but they don't have a quarterback and it goes back to the walsh theory you have a receiver who wants the ball and you don't have a quarterback to get him the ball or you don't have a team around them that can function you, you're going to have a bad culture. Pittsburgh all of a sudden now does, right? Mm-hmm. To me, you got to put Buffalo in this thing. I don't, I don't, I don't, Indy could, you know, Indy could lose at any moment. I mean, that was a great game against, they had a great game against Pittsburgh down 13 and nothing came back, but you're playing Mitchell Trubisky. You know, Houston's got an easy schedule ahead of them, right? They got Cleveland. Now, Cleveland on the road, they're not as good defensively. I think Cleveland's going to be get 10 wins. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They're going to be in. Really, we're talking about the six and the seven seed. And mm-hmm. Cincinnati's been able, you know, we said on the show, if Nick Mullins turns this thing over, it's going to be a problem. You know, and Nick yep. Mullen did, and Cincinnati was able somehow to win that game in overtime. I don't know how they did it. I mean, I think you got to say Buffalo and then pick your poison between Cincy, Indy, or Houston. I think it's Buffalo 6, and then the rest I don't know. You think Denver's done after Saturday night? I think they are. I, I, I mean, I think they'll have a hard time playing the Patriots this week because if you stop the run and you make Russell have to throw it, they're not equipped to that. They have to play from in front and they got to run the ball. Mm. Yeah, the Denver Broncos. I was rooting for them to get there with a, with a bet that I made, but it's looking like it's slim chances for them. We'll talk the NFC side as well when we wrap this thing up. GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, we did a little AFC playoff picture in the last segment. Let's talk the NFC side of things here. The Detroit Lions, they got their win Saturday night. Now they're just one win away from clinching the NFC North. We talked about how the Niners already clinched the NFC West, so they'll be hosting at least one home game in the playoffs, probably more than that. Uh, I think the only thing that we're probably locked into is probably, what, Dallas at the five? I mean, Philadelphia would have to absolutely collapse to lose the NFC East at this point here with the one-and-a-half game lead on the Cowboys. Uh, The way this NFC wildcard race is shaping up, though, the six and the seven currently held by the Vikings and the Rams, but we still have the Saints in the mix. The Seahawks, if they win tonight, they'd get into the mix of this thing. And then you have Falcons, Packers, Giants, Bears who are on the outside looking in here. But this NFC wildcard, like the AFC, the six and seven seem to be up for grabs. The Giants aren't in it? I mean, DeVito? I mean, are we going to end the DeVito era? I mean, poor guy. The Got sacked seven times. Big Daddy was saying, like, why couldn't we do that to them? You know, of course, because Dennis Allen's a really good defense coordinator and he attacked the pocket, you know. And how about that suit his agent had on? My god. Before we jump into the NFC, I want to hit this. Here's a prediction for you, Femi. Mm. I think KC ends up the three seed. 
Mm-hmm. And I think Buffalo ends up the sixth seed. And I think Ooh. we kick Wild Card Weekend off with Buffalo in that. I think that would be it. Now, for the NFC, you got to give Sean McVay credit. I mean, to have this team at 500 over the win total is mm-hmm. remarkable. Really is. I mean, you know, they're not perfect, but he's gotten a lot of play out of Stafford. He's made plays. The receivers are good. The offensive line hung in there. And I know they beat a bad Washington team. What was Ron Rivera doing? I have no idea. Teaching a master class. Can you imagine having this much experience and what Rivera was doing? Uh, I mean, you have three timeouts left in the game. And, you you know, he doesn't go for two, which he's been going for two the whole time. He doesn't go for two. And here's what bothers you about him not going for two. Was it the snapper was hurt? Not the snapper. The, 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 holder, the holder was hurt. He got hurt. So now you got a new holder in there. So what's your chances are? Should I go for two or, or should I uh, have this kick and then I got to go for two anyway just to tie? Like, does he think about the game at all? Did somebody tell him his holder was hurt? And then he's got three timeouts and he sits there and says, oh, I'm going to onside kick it here. Why? Kick it deep and pin them back there. You might get the ball at midfield and you might be a Hail Mary away from tying the game if you could stop them, which they can't. I mean, that, that might be one of the – I mean, for a guy who's been, what, 13 years in the league now, he's only made a playoffs three times. Mm. You can see why. You know what it does? You know what Rivera teaches you? If you're nice to the media, they'll never get on your ass. Yep. It's like Salah. They love Salah. Could you imagine – could you imagine Belichick's getting the shit kicked out of him? He's got six Super Bowls. Of course, Brady won all of them. Yep. Salah <laughs> – well, Aaron's going Aaron's gonna to fix all these problems. Don't worry. Aaron's coming back. Salah's good. He knows what he's doing. Onside kick against Miami. Play a short field. No problem. <laughs> They're the best part, the best team. You just turn the ball over to give them seven points, but why not give them three more? Who cares? You know, so, I mean, I think, I think that Minnesota, I love the fact that they're still in this thing because Brian Flores has played great defense. Now, they gave it up in the fourth quarter, which hurt. But I'm telling you, if I'm Dallas, I don't want the two seed. Fuck the two seed. I could care less about the two seed. I want the five seed. I get to play, I get to play the NFC South winner. You think that's better than the two seed than the host in the game? Because <laughs> Dallas sure it's is better. I would rather I would rather play than I rather than, say I would rather play them than McVeigh. Yeah, you no, know one thing about fair. single elimination now, single elimination. It's not the best team. It's just to be the best team that day. In the NBA, you got to win four games. That's the best team. Yeah, Dallas is in line to play either the Bucks, Saints, or the Falcons, uh, which there would be. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. Hard to argue against that. Hard to argue against that, even though it's on the road where the Cowboys, eh, three and four on the road. Eh, Sign me it? up. Hey, look, if we're going to win, we got to do it out there. Yeah. Sign me up. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to go on the road anyway. If we're the two seed, we got to go somewhere. You mentioned how we could get potentially Bills, Chiefs. What about a potential Rams at the Lions in the wild card? Like with the Stafford going back to the Motor City, Goff against the team that traded him away, that they wanted him out to go ahead and win that Super Bowl. The storylines in that would be, would be tremendous. <laughs> I, I don't know what the line would be, but I might bet the Rams. Rams money I mean, line? McVay's a, such a good play caller and such a good game planner. You know, and against a bad secondary like that, he'll take advantage of it. He really will. I might just bet the over in that game. I think, I think both teams would move the football, and it would be a pretty fun game, though. But the NFC playoff race is very exciting. We have three weeks left to kind of sort this thing out here. But let's get to the awards, though, Michael. And we'll start with the Fred Palermo best game plan of the week. And how could it go to anyone other than the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I mean, give Joe Brady credit. I mean, he caught 49 runs. You know how hard it must be for a guy who wants to throw the ball, call 49 runs, but they worked. Only had nine first third downs in the game, which means they were playing Canadian football. 
getting first downs and two downs, which is the best thing you can do in football. It's the greatest thing to do in football, first downs and two downs. And, and so give them credit. Great game plan. You know, conversely, you, you got to say, you know, the bigger fraud of the game is the Cowboys' defense because yeah. they saw it coming and they couldn't adjust or fix it. Like, once you got in the first quarter of that game and you said, okay, Buffalo wants to run it up our butts here. We better fix this. They didn't have an answer for it. Yeah, it was a bad defensive performance for the Dallas Cowboys. On the lamb, I mean, this game was just atrocious. The Carolina yeah. Panthers beat the Falcons 9-7. to we, The whole Falcons organization's got to go there. Well, I mean, look, they, they keep drafting skill players, right? I mean, that's the, you know, and they have, and they can't score. They, they couldn't move the ball against Carolina in the first game. Carolina turned it over. They couldn't move the ball in the second game. Ritter throws a bad interception in the red zone. But, there, you know, this was a kind of a game where I didn't have the guts to take Carolina as one of my main picks, although I, I told somebody in Survivor to not take Atlanta because this, this Atlanta team is so inconsistent. They can get yards like crazy like they did against Tampa, but they can't win close games. You talk about a team that lacks toughness. Here it is right here. I wonder what Atlanta will do. I know they say Arthur's safe, but Arthur Blank has got to sit there and say, wait a minute, hold on here. I think a lot of it's going to depend on who's available. How about See, this? here's the problem, oh. too. Here's the problem, too. You, you can't depend on who's available, like in college. College, you can keep your coach and search around. Back in 198, after Parcells had his shitty first year as a head coach, George Young was out shopping around looking for coaches, tried to hire Howard Schnellenberger. He wouldn't come. He kept Parcells. Parcells knew all this, but he kept him, right? You can't do that anymore. You, you can't snoop around. You can, but you really can't. And if you make the move, you got to make the move. And if, if you make the move and you don't get the guy you're making the move for, boy, that's problems. Yeah, you get stuck a little bit. Maybe you, you honestly get stuck like the Houston Texans with Lovey Smith. The, what is that, a couple of years ago, last year that that happened with yeah. them? Um, the Falcons, though, on that point, like we talked about how they drafted these skill guys. Bijan Robinson, top 10. Pitts, top 10. London, top 10. Yesterday, those guys combined for uh, 12 touches. Uh, in a game yeah. where you needed points. What the hell are we doing in Atlanta? Uh, if you don't know, now you know here. I mean, Bill's Mafia stand up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bill's, they're going to go in. I mean, they're going to have every ticket in Los Angeles. I mean, imagine being like growing up in Buffalo and you get to spend a holiday in Los Angeles. I mean, why not? That place will be red, white, and blue out there. The poor Chargers. I mean, Dean Spanis has got to go to the game and say, oh, my God. But, you know, if he hires Ben Johnson, he'll get it all back. Just one move, he'll get it all back. I don't get it. But the other thing is, I think, the other thing is, if now you don't know, Big Daddy has been right. Joe Barry and this Green Bay defense is really proud because they underachieve. They have more talent than Lynn to believe. And you let Tommy DeVito do what he did to you, and you let Baker Mayfield have this unbelievable day, a career day in Lambeau Field. I mean, Curley must have been going crazy. Vince must have been going crazy. You know, I mean, this, this can't happen on this sacred ground. That, that we allow him to have this kind of day. Credit Baker. Look, he played well. But it just shows you how bad, how bad this Packers secondary is, how bad their defense is. Because he just moved the ball down the field yeah. on them. And, the, and meanwhile, last week in Atlanta, he couldn't move the ball anywhere. He, on the last drive is all it took. Baker Mayfield yesterday, 22 of 28, 381 passing yards, four touchdowns, becomes the first visiting quarterback ever 
ever in the history of football to have a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field. On the Field. sacred turf. <laughs> On the sacred, like you said, hollowed ground, and here, here we go. Baker Mayfield lighting your ass on fire as the Bucks beat the Packers 34-20. to 20. Uh, if you, It is what it is, obviously, Joe Barry. Like, like Big Daddy was right. Like We deserve to, to give Big Daddy his, his credit for that one. He saw it before we did. Uh, Monday Night Football, we typically don't spend a ton of time on this one, but this game big and has big implications with the quarterback availability. Jalen Hurts, he's under the weather, dealing with a, an illness. Sounds like he might be able to go, but for Seattle, we thought Geno was going to be able to go with the groin injury. Sounds like he's gotten worse, so we could be seeing Drew Locke starting at quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And then, of course, the defensive play calls. Now Matt Patricia calling the plays on defense for the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot going on here tonight. Well, like I said earlier in the show, right, the Eagles do a really good job of supporting the coach, right? They support the coach. They make sure that they're, they're not the kind of team where they say, okay, we hired you as the coach, and now you're on your own. They literally have an infrastructure set in place, and, if, and they're collaborative in that. And even though it's not something that I'm accustomed to or seeing, it works really well for them. It works really well for them. And like I also mentioned, they wanted Vic. They couldn't get him. And so Sean decide they've got to find a way to make him a better coach. They bring in Matt Patricia, and now I feel like their locker room must be sensing something. They're going to let him call it. Now, Patricia comes from a 34 scheme. Sean does too. It's Vic's scheme. I could see it kind of blending together. Uh, and, but I don't think it's about what the calls are. I think it's really about what's the adjustments are. Mm. What's the game plan? What do we need to do? I think a lot of that methodology that you learn in New England, it, it has to come into play. Every game's different. Here's what we have to do. Here's how we have to make them play left-handed. Because this is a game that is they're, they're, they're at a disadvantage when Seattle's on offense. Now, I thought this line was moving to Seattle because Geno was playing. But I think it was moving because Hertz, the, every, the, the, the book knew he was sick. Mm-hmm. Now it's moving back to Philly, right? And that tells me that, you know, Drew Locke's going to play and, you know, take your chances now. Yeah, and, and I, I credit the Philadelphia Eagles because like, something that they do is they're not afraid to make some changes. I remember the first year under Nick Sirianni when Sirianni was calling the plays and they said, all right, guys, this isn't working. They let Shane Steichen call the plays, and that's when they really started to take off yep. in the second half of that season. Obviously, last year they had the hell of a season that they had here, and we now have known Shane Steichen, really good play caller. But the Eagles not afraid to make changes. They make this change even though it's late in the year. They felt that they needed to do something with that defense. Well, look, look what they did for Gannon. They brought Vic in to help Gannon. They brought Vic yeah. in to help the offense. I mean, they did it. They 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 see the problem as it's ongoing, and they try to fix it. And they'll be able to spin it PR wise. Watch the spin tonight. You know, we'll listen to the spin tonight. You know, it, we're not firing Sean. Well, you really are when you put him up in the booth and you let somebody else. I mean, his job description says he gets to call the plays, but he's not. But they're good at PR too. You got to be really good at PR to make this move, right? It's a reassignment, Michael. Is what it is. It's just a reassignment. It's not a firing or a demotion. Uh, who do you think wins the game, Eagles and the Seahawks? I think Philly wins. Same. Yeah. I think the Eagles get back on it, and then Seattle, for them, probably uh, the end of their playoff hopes there uh, in the end. That might be changes in Seattle, too. Might be. Is that a tease for Thursday? Well, I mean, I think Pete's at a point where he's got to evaluate himself. All right. We will talk to you guys on Thursdays. Thanks, as always. Subscribe, rate, and review.